You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. How many of you know uh, Mohan and Mercia? You know they have a ministry called El Shaddai? How many of you knew that? Raise your hand. Opening up an orphanage, I think it's in India. But do you know that they wrote a book? And she came up to me, and she was so shy. They were so shy. They were like, Pastor Joe, can we talk to you for a minute? And, you know, they were just like not even talking about the book. Just, can we just talk to you for a minute? We really need to come in your office. So they sat down in my office, and I'm like, what? What is it? It was almost like they were high. I was like, what? Oh, we have this book. I'm like, you got a book? <laughs> Let me see your book. I was so excited about their book. She just started bawling. I was like, what's the matter? In their mind, it wasn't worthy or it wasn't going to be celebrated. I was like, yo, why didn't you tell me you had a book? Where the heck is my signed copy of this book? <laughs> it's called 50 Crosses, Poems to My King. And I opened it up, and I read it, and I sat with them, and they told me about this ministry where they're opening an orphanage, and I'm like, well, how can I support this? Why would you hide this? Bring it out, baby. I mean, Mercia comes up here and dances, no problem. So in the first service today, I celebrated them, and I brought the book out, and I read one of the poems. Because that's what we're about here. Hello? Hello? What kind of pastors, what kind of church would we be if we didn't celebrate our people walking in their calling? That's everything. That's the only thing. Listen, I wrote a book about it. It's my whole life. I spent 27 years with no reason to live. Now I got a reason. It was so important to me that I wrote a book about it. I told the people at the first service, if you got some calling on your life, let me know. Let one of the leaders know. We're here to encourage it, not to snuff it out, not to limit it, but to bless it. It's time for you to open up what God has called you to do and finally do it. Amen? Did Jesus go to the cross for nothing? Ephesians 4, 7 says, that God's unmerited favor was given to each one of us individually. Not indiscriminately, not haphazard, but in different ways. In proportion to the measure of Christ's rich gift, the amount of grace poured out on us compares to the value 
Jesus going to the cross. Imagine the gifts that we have. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He led a train of vanquished foes. You know, in that time, if the Roman army defeated someone, they would bring their conquered foes and parade them as they walked in procession back. And the people would be on the sidelines, and the people in the chariots would throw gifts to them. You know, when Jesus led captivity captive, he bestowed gifts upon us. How many of you know that he died on the cross, not just for your salvation, but that you may would be anointed and endued with specific gifts from on high? Amen. Raise your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. I want them all. Because they're as valuable as Jesus. Wow. So each one of you here has a unique and extremely valuable gift. Look at the person next to you and say, you're valuable. You're worth more than gold. And you have a unique gift. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there's a reason that we need those gifts. There's a reason, and that reason is in Ephesians 2.10. Another one of my favorite scriptures. For we, who's we? Who's a we? Us. For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship. The Greek word there is poema. It's where they get the word poem from. You're like a poem. Amen? Amen. I know Pastor Terrence likes that. You're like a poem. Because he's so artsy, isn't he? He's just so artsy. He's not holding flowers anymore. But somebody asked up here, I'm sorry. I got to pick on you. I'm not going to see you for a long time. But um, his workmanship, his poems, some translations say his masterpiece. That's a good thing for us to do. Let's look at somebody and just say, you're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. For a second, I was going to go, you look marvelous, but that's something else. <laughs> but you're a masterpiece recreated in Jesus. Recreated as a masterpiece. How many of you used to not be a masterpiece? <laughs> but you were, <laughs> what? You were, <laughs> Pastor John said you were a masterpiece. <laughs> I love it. When I need something good, I got pastors all up here to help me out. A masterpiece. Now you're a masterpiece recreated. Born anew. There's only one kind of Christian. It's one that's been born anew. Did you know that? So when people, says I'm a, people say I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born again, say, well, then you're not a Christian. Because there's no way to get into the kingdom of God except they be born again or born anew. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking past which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, then living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Listen. He planned something out for your life. He sent his son to die on the cross so you could live that life. 
Through that victory, he bestowed a gift on you so you can do what you're called to do and live that good life. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't use your gift, you are not going to live the good life. And there are so many Christians that really aren't doing it. I'll be honest with you. How do I know? Because I was a believer for, I don't know, maybe 12 years. But there was something stirring in me the whole time, and I was never really comfortable. 1 John 2.20, and I, and I love this scripture, and I like to study it more and more every time I look at it, says you have an anointing. That word anointing there is chrisma. It comes from, from charis, which is grace. It means you have been graced, you have been anointed, you have been chosen with something special from God. Each one of us, some of you have a gift of healing, some have a gift of prophecy, some have a gift to help, some have a gift to love, some have a gift to pray, some have a gift to sing, some of you have more than one gift, some of you have a manifold gifts of grace, but every one of us has a gift. Everyone has been graced with an anointing from who? The Holy One. And this is the, this is the part of this verse I really enjoy. And you know all things. Now that doesn't mean you know everything. How many of us think we know everything? Kenny Goldberg, raise your hand. Kenny, <laughs> when I said that, I just happened to be looking at Kenny and his hand just sort of went up and back down. I thought, no, no, I'll be honest. You do think you know everything. It's okay. I'm with you, brother. I think I know everything too. It's just who we are. We can't help it. But that you know all things is not even knowledge. It's not even experience. It's more talking about intuition. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, Holy Spirit. And I thought of, believe it or not, I thought of the movie The Matrix. How many of you like the Matrix movie? If you haven't seen it, you really got to see it. It's amazing. You know, uh, very, very spiritual, you know, but really cool stuff in it. But in The Matrix, you have this guy, Neo, okay? And through the early part of the movie, Neo knows there's something wrong but he just doesn't know what it is. Many Christians and non-Christians are living a life, but they know something's wrong. Something's missing. They know there's more. They have that stirring feeling in their hearts. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'm going to tell you something about a gift that's not opened. And I've had it in my house. <laughs> we buy something that I was excited that we got it, but then the thought of putting it together. <laughs> Every time I walk by it, I just get mad. Like we bought this carpet cleaning thing, and I know what's going to happen. It's still in the garage. And every time I see it, it just makes me mad. But you know, once I open it up and put it together, I'll feel better. 
But it's the same thing with people. And things just keep coming up into your head that you know you're supposed to do for the Lord or in business or different things. You know there's a gift that you have that you're supposed to use. And if you keep walking past it and not using it, eventually you're going to get bitter. I've seen it so many times. I got bitter as a Christian. Not really bitter, because I'm not a person that gets really bitter, but I just uneasy. Uneasy. And for a good 10 years of being a Christian, I was just uneasy. I just, everything was just bothering me. Because God was telling me to preach, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to open the gift, because I thought then, well, maybe I got to be a pastor and get the garlic out, because I don't want to do that. Because I saw the pastors that I saw were extremely unhappy, and it just seemed like that is not what I want for my life. And, you know, I'll preach occasionally once in a while. Somebody asks me, yeah, but I ain't opening this thing, can of worms. But you know what? Until I did, I was unhappy. Until I did, I was unhappy. So you have an anointing. You have a gift, and you know it. You know it know it. You perceive it. You have intuition about it. Does everybody understand what intuition is? In 1986, I was going to take a train into New York City, and there was a woman on the platform with a briefcase, and it was raining, and her hair was all flat and flopped down. In the 80s, you know, their hair was all, like, forget it. In the 80s, your hair was like, like I don't know if... Big, big hair. Thanks, Pastor Ken. We're from Staten Island, so it was bigger there. <laughs> so she's there like this, and I had this intuition. I'm going to marry her. And it came to pass. Now, she didn't have that intuition. <laughs> but my intuition just happens to be better than her intuition. How many of you... The first time you met your spouse, you had an intuition that you shouldn't get into this thing. No, I mean. <laughs> Those hands just went, whoop. How many of you, you first met that person, you had an intuition? Raise your hand. Amen. Just a few of you. Praise God. And almost every one of you, they didn't like you, right? 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 <laughs> it's amazing. You hear these stories about people that meet, right? And the other person was like, I hated that person. You're married to them now. But you know what? It's just an intuition. It's just something. It's an unction. It's, it's something from the Holy Spirit that says, yeah. You know, there's people that come into our church and they'll write me a message on Facebook and they'll just say, you know what, I just knew when I walked in the door the way the people treated me, the way the greeters talked to me, the way the youth leader talked to my kids, the way the home group, like I knew I had an intuition that this was the place I needed to be. And then some of them leave. <laughs> Your intuition was right the first time. <laughs> intuition is just the start, Okay. <laughs> And the thing about our gifts and using our gifts is the reason people give up. You give up. 
Finally, when I was 40 and I realized, okay, this is what you're called to do. Hey, knucklehead, you want to have a real life? Do what you're called to do. I was like, okay. But when I came home, she was like, your intuition's off again. And she wasn't on board right away. But that's okay. Because now she's on board more than anybody. But you have to do what you're called to do. And you cannot quit. Too many Christians quit, and then you're going to start stirring up again. And you're going to have that feeling. And you know, you could get to the point where you're so, you've just, you've given up. Don't let yourself get to that place. You have been given a gift and a talent. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Remember the people in the parable of the talents? Given, what was it, 10, uh, 5, 2, and 1, whatever the numbers were, it doesn't matter, because the one that got the 1 didn't use it. He just put it away. He, he hid it. And then when the master came back, he said, take it from him. You didn't use it. Now you're going to lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Use it. Amen? For many years as a Christian, I tried to do it on my own. You can't do it without his anointing on it. And he puts his anointing on what you know to do. Don't do something that you're not supposed to do. Some Christians go out and they want to try everything and they end up doing nothing. They want to do everything, and they end up doing nothing. You need a laser-like focus. I was telling some of the people I was praying over in the first service, I know how this works. you got to get OCD laser-focused on what your gift is, and you got to use it with everything you have, and you got to trust God to anoint it because he will make room for you and bring you before great men. But too many Christians, it's like every time I ask them, they got a new thing they're doing. What happened to that thing you said at the meeting last year? That was it. Everybody say, that was it. That was it. See, I got a whole new message. It's called, that was it. I'm coming up with that in a couple weeks. Because you know what happens? People get that intuition from the Holy Spirit. This is it. And they know it. And they start to do it. And it doesn't work. And then they go for something else. No, 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 no. That was it. Everybody say, that was it. That was it. <laughs> I'm just telling you. The first time I preached at our church, I was like 31 years old, whatever it was. You know, I just got saved. They let me go up and preach. I preached the messages. People were getting saved. People were coming up to me saying, this is what you need to do. This is what you're called to do. I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't doing this. That was it. That was it. Took me 10 years. That was it. Took me a lot of pain and strife and stirring in my heart. That was it. Remember what your that was it is now? That was it. Use your gift. Use it. It's specifically for you. And don't want to, somebody else's, you don't want, listen, I worked on Wall Street 
I was in the trading floor in the pit. That was the greatest job ever. I got to yell and scream at people all day. Does that make me happy, honey? Yes. <laughs> buy 100, buy 1,000, sold. Buy 20, buy 10, buy 12. Doing hand signals, move my, it was like the perfect job for a Jewish Italian guy. I get to yell at people all day and make hand signals. Buy 100, that's for you. Yeah, it was all kind. No, that's real, that's real. That means buy 100. This means buy 1,000. There were some other things we did, but that has nothing to do with trading. But you had to be loud. There's 150 people in this pit, and the guy on the other side is selling something. You got to get it from him. I was like, buy him! And if he didn't hear you, you ran up to his face. I'm not going to do it now. People would run up to somebody, knock them over, mow them down. It was the greatest job ever. You made a lot of money, you made a big mess, and then somebody cleaned it up for you. What do you think a bunch of guys would love to do? Yell and scream all day, push each other around, make a big mess, go home and come back and do it again. But do you know that I had people next to me who, you know, had graduated from Harvard? John, you know what I'm talking about. People that graduated from Harvard or Yale or Juilliard, yeah. And they would be talking about how they want to make music and write books, and I go, what are you doing here? They were miserable. But they just wanted to make money. And most of them didn't, and the ones that did were very unhappy because they weren't doing what they were called to do. Some really talented people. I would be like, wait a minute, you want to make music and you're here? And while all the trading was going on, they would be like writing tunes down and just miss everything. Or writing books or engineers, yeah, I want to build. I go, you just missed $1,000 that went by your face. Do what you're called to do. You want to be happy? You want to be happy. You want to live that life, that abundant life. Does that mean it will always be easy? No. But you'll have that intuition. See, early on when Grace Church was a year old and there was 20 people and everybody was disappointing me and my wife wasn't real happy with me, I had an intuition inside of me. I knew something inside of me that no one else there knew that this is what I'm called to do. And if I don't do this, I'm never going to be happy. And I can't change. I cannot make a left turn right now. That's it. I don't care if the cops come and close us down. I don't care if 20 people walk out the door. This is what I'm called to do. I remember people would say, oh, the church is getting divided or, you know, can have a split. I, I said, listen, if there's just three people, people left here, I'm staying. Well, I don't know. <laughs> No, if there's only three people left, I'm staying right now. You know why? Because I know that I know that I know that I know what I'm called to do. And when you get to that place, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. Nothing! I said a nothing can stop you. That's where you got to be. So back to Matthew chapter 17, 24. We're finishing now. So they came to Capernaum, Jesus and the boys, and they came to Peter, and they wanted to tax him, and he said, who do we pay the tax to, or does your teacher not pay the tax? And you know what Jesus did, right? He paid the tax. Look at verse 27. Put up the next one there. We don't want to offend them. So Jesus is like, I could care less about the money. 
and I could care less about the tax. Go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the first fish that comes out of the water, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Now, I've been in church a long time, and I've never heard anybody really preach about this that much. I, I, I rarely hear it. I, I don't know, huh? <laughs> or they just mainly talk about the tax and how Jesus just provided for that, but I see something so much deeper in here, and it applies to what I'm talking about here today. First things first, there's a need. They need to pay the tax. There's a need that Jesus is going to meet. And he says, here's how you're going to meet that need. You're going to go fishing, Peter. I just, from the first time I saw that, immediately I said, oh, so to meet my need, I need to do what I'm good at, what I've always done. Do what you do, we call it. Do what you do. Peter was a fisherman. Peter loved to catch fish. The first time he met Jesus, he wasn't catching anything, but then Jesus anointed it and said, go out and drop the net on the other side, and he got a big catch of fish, and they were all excited. He liked fishing. What do you like to do? Listen to me. What were you good at before you got saved? I bet you're still good at it. I was a great drug dealer. <laughs> Being honest, I was a good drug dealer. I did all the drugs I want and had money left over. I didn't have to rob anybody. I was a really good drug dealer. I was very good at it. You know why? Because I was good with numbers, and I knew when I was running out, and I knew what I had to do. Because you become very resourceful when you're a drug person. You know, we have a rehab in Florida um, called Serenity Springs. And I go there, and I preach to them every couple of months. And some of the guys here have gone down and preached there as well, but, and that'll continue. But what I tell them is this. Because my job is to go down there and tell them, because once they get off the drugs and the alcohol or the other things they're addicted to, sex, gambling, uh, anger, we, we have all kinds of people in our rehab. And the only answer is God, the 12-step program. How many of you know what the 12-step program is? Started by a Christian. It's the only thing that works. And as a matter of fact, when you hear them talk about the big book, you're like, okay, that's Philippians, that's Ephesians. It's all scripture. And, you know, we're having a great impact at our rehab. But here's the problem. Getting them off is not the problem. And even having them healed, they become healed. It's believing that they can do something after that. Because most of us that did drugs, we didn't go to school, so we don't have an education. But you know what? What every one of them and I all have in common is this. When we needed to get drugs, we found a way to get drugs. Drug addicts are some of the most resourceful people you'll ever meet in your life. I was able to go to the most expensive clubs, do the most expensive drugs every week. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to sleep. 
but somehow I did it. Can I get an amen from somebody here who understands what I'm talking about? You figure out a way. I don't know how you did that. So I said to them, listen, with that resourcefulness that you were able to do all those drugs with no money in your pocket, use that for your gift that you have right now, and you will soar like an eagle. Nothing will stop you. So you know what? When I got saved, I took that same, man, let me tell you something. It could have been three in the morning and I hadn't slept for four days. If I wanted more cocaine, I could find it. And I could get it, and I was resourceful enough to do it. So when I got saved, the Lord said, you use that resourcefulness on Wall Street. Use it in everything you do. Use it to get a good wife. Use it. <laughs> yeah, I did. It worked. She was rich. And then when it came to ministry, he said, use it in ministry. Use that same tenacity in ministry. Listen, the reason some people aren't using their gifts is because they don't have the tenacity to do it. You got to have tenacity. Just say that word. It's a great word. Tenacity. I don't even know what the definition is, but I like it. <laughs> you got to have tenacity. You know, and, and so listen, so he goes fishing. That's what he does. Jesus didn't say go beg on the corner. He didn't so, say go see Lazarus. He didn't say go see the rich young ruler. He didn't say go see your friend in Galilee. He said drop one hook into the water and get a fish. Right. How many of you go fishing? How many of you had the patience to go fishing? We have a young lady that fishes there. Raise that hand there. Oh, we have another young lady that fishes here. Amen. Are you guys single? <laughs> guys, imagine that, a wife that'll go fishing with you. You can sit there and cast out your fishing lines there and just smile at each other. They just go, <laughs> I hate fishing. You're throwing that thing out there. Every time something moves, I'm like, is that a fish? <laughs> then it's like a sock. It's a tire. Who wants to do this thing? Or the, the worst thing they ever showed me was that bobbin in there. So I'm sitting there watching his bobbin. I'm like, it moved. <laughs> it's a ripple in the water. But these people that have patience to fish, it's just amazing. But Peter was anointed to fish. But here's the thing. When you go fishing with the anointing, you don't have to wait. <laughs> he casts the one hook, boom. Into the sea. Go to the sea. I'm going <laughs> to cross over a little bit as we finish. What is the sea? The sea is the world. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Where are men in the world? When Jesus walked on the water, he wasn't doing a magic trick. He was showing you that I am above the world. You know, the sea can be scary. You ever go out on a boat and you're way out there and it's dark, man? I get, I want my kids around because we're all great swimmers. Last night in the middle of the night, I was just thinking about the sea. And I've been thinking a lot about heaven and hell lately. I have. You know, because people are dying. and You know, it's funny. It's like everybody's on Facebook talking about politics. And so bad I want to go on there. There's a, there's a plague, everybody. It's across the world. 
200,000 people are dying every day. And everybody would go, of what, of what? I go, I don't know, they're dying. Because everybody dies. It's like, there's a problem. <laughs> there's a problem, everybody. Death. <laughs> and heaven and hell. What's after it? And the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me last night, because I was thinking about it, how this death is such a scourge that nobody can escape. It's like the real problem we have. Like it's, everybody thinks this is the problem and that's the problem. No, death's the problem, but Jesus has overcome it. But I was thinking, and the Holy Spirit said to me that as the world is like the ocean, that people that don't know Christ, when they die, they drown, but they don't die. He said, hell is like drowning without dying. My heart was hurting for a good half hour just thinking about that. That's what hell is. It's drowning without dying. So we are using our gifts. Why? So we can catch a fish. You go to the sea, right? You go to the world, and the hook is your gift of giving the gospel, whatever that might be. And you cast it in, and you take the fish out. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. But here's the cool thing. When you use your gift, and you go to the world, and you catch fish, and you bring them into the church, when you open their mouth, there's a blessing in it. They are carrying a blessing. See, the greatest thing in Grace Church is not the chairs, it's not the carpet tiles, it's not the sound booth, it's not the lighting, it's not the coffee shop, it's the people that are here. See, when we go out and we bring a fish in, it comes with a blessing. It comes with a blessing. And it says you'll find a money, a blessing. Take that for me and for you. See, everyone that we lead to the Lord through our gifts will come here and be a blessing for God's work and a blessing for us. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you. I, I could rattle off, I could rattle off the people that we led to Jesus that are here that have been a blessing to me. I could rattle it off like a calculator. People that have come up here and got saved and they had a gift with them. They had a gift with them. So do what you do. Go out there, bring in the fish, and they will not only be a blessing to you, but they'll be a blessing to what Jesus wants to do. I, Jesus didn't leave Peter out. He said, now take the coin, pay my tax, and pay your tax. See, we're so busy trying to get the coin, we need to go fishing first. <laughs> we need to use that gift that we have. Amen? How many of you know in your heart that you have a gift? How many of you know in your heart that you have a gift? 
Don't keep it under a bowl anymore. You want to live the real life. And some of you have been Christians for more than 10 years, 20 years, and you've st- you got that stirring inside of you. Don't shout me down here. And some of you, it's just your first day in church, but you have a stirring in you. Already a young man who was at our first service here, who I've never talked to, he wrote down a whole thing, and he said to Pastor Joe, this, there's a stirring in my heart. And, and uh, listen, this is what we're here to do. We're here to help you with that. Terrence, Pastor Terrence and Anna are going to London to help people with the stirring that's in their heart. They're going to bring some, they're going to bring in some salmon, some trout, some grouper, some tilapia, not from China. But they're going to bring in these fish into the kingdom, and they're going to have a gift with them, a gift to the body. Amen? I want to make sure everyone here has been hooked by the gospel. I want, I want to let this sink into you for a second. Jesus talked about hell more than anything. Listen, how many of us here are going to die? Shoot, is there anybody who's not? Okay. So we're pretty assured that's a fact. Are you 100% sure of where you're going when you die? Because if you're not, I can tell you where you're going. You're going to a place where you drown, but you don't die. It's a scary place, but guess what? That fear can lead you to a place of salvation. See, the not isn't so you don't do it, it's so you do do something. You understand? The negative is so you get a positive. You have pain to know you have a wound. Listen to me. If you're not sure, say this prayer with me today to assure your salvation. Be honest. This is your day. Some of you right now, something's stirring inside of you saying, yeah, that's me. I better say this prayer. And many people do it here every week. But if it's your time today, don't miss it. Do it. Bow your heads with me right now. Close your eyes and just say this prayer with me. Father, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. son. He died on the cross cross. for my sin. He took the punishment that I deserve. You raised him from the dead so I could have a new life. I accept that sacrifice. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me new today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes, keep yourself there for a moment. If you said that prayer for the first time, or you said it maybe for the second or third time, but you never meant it like you do today. If you said that prayer to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Who else? Raise your hand. Who else? Anybody else? All right, there's people from all the different sections in the church right now who raise their hand. Everybody that raised their hand, stand up. Stand up. Stand up where you are. Stand up. 